Could you imagine being homeless at the age of 48? Could you imagine starting 29 different businesses in your lifetime? Not only did the man who I'm about to have a conversation with do both of those things and come back from both of those things, but in 2018, he sold his company for $43 million. And if that's not impressive enough, next year in 2023, he's planning on going back in business at the age of 81. This is a conversation I have with Richard Middleton and there's a lot. This is a long podcast. I'm not going to lie. We filmed this podcast in about two hours and um, there's a lot, a lot of stories, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, but more importantly than that, a lot of persistence. So I'm not going to break it up. I'm going to post the full video, the full audio. I'll clip the good parts and make them their own separate videos. But for those of you who really want to get into the mind of somebody who's just built a, a tremendous amount of success for themselves from absolutely nothing, then you need to listen to this whole thing. What is up, guys? My name is Logan Tremellon, and this is the Defying Odds podcast. Today, I have on somebody who has been a mentor for pretty much my entire family. At one point, me and my dad and my brother were all employed by you. At the age of 48, he was homeless living in his car. And in 2018, he sold his company for $43 million. So we can get right into it. With no debt. With no debt. Bam. <laughs> my name's Rick Middleton. And uh, I'm here to tell you about, uh, to start off with, about uh, things that you've probably never thought existed. Uh, but most of all, I want to tell you, uh, I, I can only imagine that the people that are watching this are thinking about going into business or are in business. And uh, they can call themselves entrepreneurs. I never did until a few years ago where everybody told me I was dead wrong. At any rate, um, I built so many businesses for a particular reason. But I want to share a most exciting thing I saw today driving in. And this is what being an entrepreneur is all about. I, I pulled up to a red light here in town, and there beside me was a beautiful roll-off truck for what uh, people don't know is that's what they take garbage to the landfill in. And on it was a beautiful brand-new 20-yard uh, container, and it had on the side painted, rent it, fill it, gone. And I went, oh, my God. Because I had, at one time in my company, which you'll hear, I had over a thousand of these cans and nothing looked like this one. And unbelievably, they had it painted the same colors as the Lancaster uh, Authority for trash, which is huge. In my company, we were taking 30 tractor trailer loads a day to this company. It was painted in the same colors. I said it had to be the authority, which immediately got my attention. And here I am talking to you. It's one of the more brilliant things I've ever seen. Sure, people are going to take down the number, flash a picture of the day with their iPhone. Mm -hmm. Every entrepreneur has one sitting on his dashboard. Bing, take a picture. But that's what makes life good, and that's what makes entrepreneurs or people like myself run or really get out there and uh, set the world on fire. And that, that wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm jealous. I didn't think of that before. <laughs> At any rate, I uh, I was born in 1941 um, with with practically zero memory. Um, you'll you'll notice when I'm talking that I have some uh, detail in the history, whatever. I can't do things like sentences, like an attorney would do, or an accountant, or a thing like that. Uh, back then, it was called laziness, and. Uh, uh, 
when my mom when my, my my mom passed away i mean my dad passed away when i was uh 13 and and then my mom took me uh to a psychiatrist to find out what i was better best attuned to and and I found out that uh and i should have known this because I, I i really did a lot of it beforehand my mind was it, it goes either you're inventive or you can run a company and uh Mine was 95% inventive and, and 5% uh, running a company. I do know how to, and what I learned, and you'll learn today, some of the things that, that uh, have helped me by making mistakes and, and learning things as I went along to uh, make, a, make a really wonderful company uh, that... Uh, Many brilliant people, uh, like Logan's father, it just uh, they really helped me out to to get going and um, make my 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 company successful. Um, my mom did pass away for eight at eighteen, left me some money, luckily, and uh, uh, I started going. Matter of fact, I. Uh, I went so far. I joined the army, <laughs> and uh, had a wonderful time. I was uh, I was in between Korea and uh, Vietnam. I lucked out, and uh, I joined the 82nd Airborne. And I can say that I had 32 jumps, which was out of a C-130 and uh, and and an HU-1B helicopters. And uh, I had a great time. Um, after getting out, I. Uh, I did a tremendous amount of things that didn't amount to anything, little companies. Um, I famously have uh, found, recently I found my 29th business card and, <laughs> and companies I either started or fictitiously started. Back then you didn't have to do anything and or put them out of business to go into something else. Uh, one of my first ones was... Uh, we had just gone across the country, a, a friend of mine and myself, and I was selling uh, circulation sales for a newspaper, but we came back across the country and we were dead flat broke. We had a, uh, a 1948 uh, Plymouth and uh, four-door, and uh, we grew up where they were delivering milk in uh, horse and buggies in the, during the, the summer. and. Uh, I know you can't believe this, and and we got we got milk delivered in a sleigh in the winter because there used to be snow in the Northeast, and so we decided to make wagon wheel coffee tables because we enjoyed the West, and we designed a, a, the big coffee tables with the big wheels, and they have big iron rims and everything. Put glass on it. We crushed the top of the uh, of, of the uh, the Plymouth because we didn't have enough money to have a. <laughs> <laughs> to tow it out, we delivered the wagon. The people would go nuts. At any rate, uh, it lasted about six months because what we found out was that uh, we thought we knew everything about making this. What we found out was that, I don't know if you've ever watched a Western with John Wayne or something like that, but the, these wagons' wheels are big and they have big heavy rims around them. The rims all collapsed, hit the floor, broke the glass, and the table disintegrated. <laughs> that ended that company. What did I learn out of that? got to know what you're doing. The uh, Another company I, I had, we started building houses, and uh, I did. I didn't have any partners. And um, it was so simple. And that's what I'm trying to get through to you. It, you really have to be careful now because things are so government 
road. I, I think Mannheim Township is probably the hardest township in the, within 150 miles to build something, but you're gonna, I would go into, the, I forget the fellow's name, but I would, I would go into him and tell him I wanted to build a house. He said, well, show me what you want. And I had a notebook there. I just took out a piece of paper and, and uh, drew a sketch of the house. He said, fine, he stamped it and I built the house. <laughs> uh, that did well until uh, uh, interest rates went so high. You, you folks don't remember interest rates, but Jesus, I, I look back at my first house and it was 13%, you know. It, it, it's really amazing how things go. Then I started, uh, in 1968, I decided that I wanted to fly. So uh, I took lessons down to New Holland Airport. And I ran into this friend, uh, acquaintance of mine, uh, Bob Haney, who knew a lot about flying. Uh, and uh, he and I went into a, uh, on, um, we, went, we, we went into a, a partnership in, in names. We never wrote anything down. And uh, then we got a, 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 later on, we got a, a bunch of investors. But uh, in between that and then, I, I went up to, uh, in Myerstown, Pennsylvania, which is north of here, and uh, uh, saw a piece of land. I went over, it was a farmer, and I talked to him, because he had an old dirt runway. His name was Paul Sanger. And he had 50 acres, and I, I asked him what he wanted for it. And uh, uh, he gave me a price. I wrote a check. We built. We started building the airport. And we put in a uh, 2,550 foot asphalt highway. Uh, highway. It turned into one um, uh, runway. Six months later, the, uh, the the city of Lebanon came over and said, uh, "What do you got going on here?" And I told them this that. Luckily, we hadn't built any new buildings. All we had built is the runway. And he said, uh, "You know, you didn't get any permits." I said, "What are you talking about? This is the mid '60s. You don't need permits for anything." <laughs> You, you know, so we talked back and forth. What part of being a salesman I might submit? And uh, he said, well, re-engineer it. And I did, and I got the permit. He must have called the Federal uh, Aviation Administration, the FAA, because they came along and said, well, you don't have any permits to fly. You can't, you can't use it as an airport. I said, da 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 I got that through. But... Here's one of my most valuable lessons I learned out of that. I had 65% when I got going. And uh, the minute I got less than 50%, they fired me. And uh, I just didn't get along with the way they were doing business. They lasted another four or five years and went out of business. I, I made my original investment back. But it taught me a lesson. You never want to go into something with, with less than 50%. Uh, there's, there's a million reasons why. Um, basically, it is that as, as you grow in the business, um, and you can talk to a lot of your friends who have been in partnerships, it, it doesn't work. They're harder than marriages. But then I got into one of my most interesting businesses. I found a, a, a fellow that wanted to work for me um, because I did build a lot and I knew what building was. I bought a company called the Mannheim Pattern Works in Mannheim. And I didn't do my research. I thought I was going to be the only pattern company. What pattern companies do they, in a foundry when they pour uh, steel, iron, aluminum, uh, brass, they have to have a model of what you want to make. They put it into sand, put the cope in the drag, all this junk in, and then pour the material in it. And, and I think uh, the product comes out. It could be a faucet, could be a manhole cover, couldn't be anything. There was five other people around me. 
we didn't have the opportunity to check things out that you guys have now. Mm -hmm. You have to do exhaustive research and, and find out exactly who is your competitor, why are they a competitor, and how can you do something better? Otherwise, you're just going to waste your time. Key phrase, think smart, not hard. And that is what you have to do. Well, so we decided, I hired this fellow that worked in the Smithsonian, but he had a girlfriend up here in Lancaster. He wanted to move here. And uh, so I ran up an ad in the paper and hired him. And uh, uh, we built a couple models that are uh, still in the Smithsonian. And uh, 1976, we built my favorite model. Um, or I built it. He was he was working on some other projects. We built a replica of, of Benjamin Franklin's last printing press, and it is now down in uh, the uh, the the government printing office uh, for for Independence Hall in Philadelphia, and it has been since huh. 1976. That's which awesome. Which is pretty good. Yeah. What did I learn there? <laughs> my partner liked to talk. I told him to <laughs> shut up. He was another one of my so-called partners. The company name was Middleton and Singleton. He was a worker. And I told him, I said, uh, a guy by the name of John uh, Durham was the head of the administrator, head administrator for the National Park Service in Philadelphia. He came up and he said, uh, you don't know this, but you have been, we contacted Williamsburg down in uh, Virginia, and they said that you are the only person in the United States that could build, build a printing press. I'd never seen one. So, <laughs> so, so I said, well, I said, geez, we'd, we'd really like to uh, give us a couple minutes. So I went out and talked to my partner, and uh, we figured out we could build it for 5000 I said, uh, so I talked to John. We talked a whole bunch, a long time about building it, this, that, everything else. And I said, you know, John and I have figured out a price of this. Um, I don't know. What do you? What do you think the government would be willing to pay for it? He says, um, how about 25000 And I went, Jesus. I looked at John. <laughs> we said someplace between 20 and 30. 25 is perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> think on your feet. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's like if you ever go into a deal. I'm telling you things that you can look up in any one of a million books that's been written on how to start a business. You go to borrow, you go to borrow money. The one thing you do is if you, when you ask the question, um, can I go ahead and borrow that $500,000? Don't say a word to the, to the person you're borrowing from because it is a known fact. You can check with anybody. The person who talks first loses. Mm -hmm. So you, so you, uh, you, you want to, you want to be careful. At any rate, we built the press, uh, the Rotary Club of, of, of uh, Philadelphia sponsored us. Uh, it's been down there. I enjoy taking people and and uh, and, and showing them uh, about that. After that, uh, that company I put out of business uh, because uh, I forget who it was. I think Carter was in there, but I don't know that for sure. You can fact check it. But at any rate, he he cut out all that type of making models, which was our main business working for the government. So uh, I kicked around. I can't recall off the top of my head. I must have had a business here or there. At any rate, uh, I ended up working for a company by the name of Ross Engineering in Leola. Uh, 
they made steel products, heavy steel products, like uh, for Mack truck and uh, people like that. Um, one thing they didn't make was what they call grates, which are about three feet long and two feet wide and real thick steel that, that go in streets. When uh, you walk off a, a, a corner or something like that, you'll see a grate where the leaves and everything go down. Mm -hmm. I made most of them, and did you know that? No. no. I, most, most of them in the city of, of uh, uh, Lancaster were made by me. I made them on my knees. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's hard. Probably 100 pieces in each one, welding. Jeez. Uh, yeah, welding's bad for you. Plus, I was smoking two <laughs> packs of cigarettes a day under the hood. Jeez. They shouldn't be alive. <laughs> the... the uh, Nowadays, half of them have been torn up because everybody that puts a new street in wants to put their own grades in and make more money. Yeah. But that led me to a, what made my life. Oil back then was going, you, you, pro you probably don't remember this, but oil was very, very hard to get back in 1980. There was gas lines and everything else. And uh, I went up to a guy, a uh, great name, John Wonderlick. Oh, God. I hate to be, hate to be his wife. <laughs> At any rate, I went, to, uh, I went there and, and uh, talked to John. He had a steel place. He was rolling steel, but he didn't have enough oil for his furnaces. So I said, well, what, what, what are you going to do? He said, well, I can't go out of business. I need to buy some oil. I, I said, can you, what, what kind of oil do you burn? I, I knew how to spell the word. That's about it, O-I-L. <laughs> And he said, well, I, I, I'd like to get a cheap oil. There's some oil that I've heard about that's what they call reclaimed oil. So I looked it up on the, I looked it up uh, through my resources and found that, that a fellow by the name of uh, Baumgartner down in uh, Chambersburg, PA, um, had oil. I went down and talked to him. I said, I'd like to buy, we talked a long time to the, to the guy, and I talked to him a long time. He had everybody in his room, all his salespeople and stuff. And uh, he said, uh, I won't let you buy any oil, but you can sell some oil from me. He, he must have seen that I could sell. And, and uh, I said, well, how much oil can you give me to sell? And he said, I can give you 5 million gallons, but that's it. I said, all right. So what I didn't know was when I left uh, left his building, they were all on the floor rolling over laughing at me. But I went up, this was a Thursday, I went up, I got the uh, Lancaster Chamber of Commerce uh, booklet and started with the A's. Hit the A building, they made paper. The company's since torn down. I walked in and told them I could sell, uh, I could save them a thousand gallons, a thousand dollars a week if they bought my oil. And he said, well, yeah, we can burn our furnace. I said, well, first I got to inspect your furnace to see if it'll take our oil. I'd never seen a furnace. <laughs> I didn't know which end of the furnace the oil went in. I walked and started talking to him. He said, well, step down here. Here's what's going to go in and stuff like that. He said, oh, yeah, of course. By the end of it, I knew I knew more than him. And I will pat myself in the back on this one. By the end of the week, I'd sold all that oil. And... Uh, all five million gallons of it, um, which would have been delivered over the course of the year. Um, he fired all his uh, people, and uh, he just put me as an independent rep. I paid 100% of my own expenses.
make a long story short, I, I had a great time because everything was sold by January 1, so I just, I did nothing. I, I, I helped him out. I did a lot of solved an awful lot of problems for him. I don't say I did nothing. I worked hard for four years. But every time I hit $100,000, um, which is a lot of money in 1980, he'd cut my salary or cut my uh, my income in half. And after the fourth time I quit, uh, I thought I was going to, uh, I thought I was going to be, um, make my own company and get rich. And uh, uh, he taught me a lesson that you really got to be careful because a big person can put a tiny person out of business in a second, which he did. Uh, my, left, my wife left me because of that because uh, I wasn't making any money. We had been making a lot of money before then. And uh, that's when I became homeless. And uh, uh, I, I, I found a fella uh, down there at Baumgartner's, two people I found. Uh, one was Percy Glenn, and uh, another one uh, is Kermit Burkholder who worked for me the next 30 years. It's interesting. I started with him, and we started up several companies. Uh, one of them, interestingly, was burning uh, tires in the absence of oxygen. It's called paralysis. And uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's the absence of oxygen. And you, and you get lamp black out of it, they put in tires, and you get steel out of it. Um, the tank we did it in blew up twice, so we decided not to... Uh, continue that business <laughs> when oxygen crept in by mistake it went boom big boom <laughs> we got out of that and we had two or three other little companies that didn't make it they weren't included in the 28 29 at any rate um, so we decided we decided to go he wanted to get out of bomb gardeners he said he knew everything about the business um, I was still naive at that time I believed him but I did know how to run a company, and I didn't know enough about hiring accountants to keep me out of bankruptcy. And uh, uh, I said, okay. So I found a place here in uh, uh, Lancaster. Remember, I'm still homeless at the time. I found a place in, uh, I was living in a little 16-foot travel trailer on a, uh, parking lot in Leola, PA, which is about 10 miles east of Lancaster. Uh, a farm fellow, a Mennonite man, was nice enough to let me live there for a couple of years. And this is uh, 88 when I started Lancaster Oil. And uh, I borrowed $7,500. took me an awful lot of people. Nobody, nobody wanted to believe me because they knew I failed so many times. I finally found one person, and I gave him 1% of the gross because I didn't think I'd ever get any place. One of the things I've always done, I always keep uh, records, and, and for about 20, 25 years, you got to remember now, this is a lot many, this is many years, this is 30 years already, mm -hmm. almost already. I, I learned that to keep records. I used to use stenography uh, notebooks, had stacks of them. I'd write down every day all the people. They really help you over the long haul because you can forget things. Now I know you guys can store it on your, yeah. your iPhones and crap like that, but uh, um, 
whatever. At least you're doing that. At least I hope you are. Yeah. And um, I see Troy. Troy. Had, Logan has all kinds of notes. So <laughs> yeah. The um, Troy's his dad. Yeah. The um, I've earned $7,500 and uh, in the middle of town here for a site who had uh, a half million gallon tank and a hundred thousand gallon tank in a big building. And uh, my first month's rent was 5,000. Uh, I know you're just sitting there going, oh God, how did he make it? Well, I lucked out. Timing is everything. I wish I'd bought that book along, darn it. Um, I'll give it to Logan. I'll go find it and give it to Logan. But at any rate, it's, it says basically it, it was written by a fellow that said you had to have 10,000 hours of experience mm -hmm. before you've heard of it. Yeah. Before, before, uh, before you should go into business and kick ass, take names and retire. Um, I, uh, I had those hours in a different way of, of how not to be put out of business. <laughs> But but um, I um, the Devi Department of Environmental Recovery was just getting started back then, and and nobody nobody knew anything by today's standards. You know, you'd be we'd be put in jail in an hour. <laughs> the uh, I mean, they they have so many laws now. You, I'm in, I was in business for thirty years because the government let me be in business. Period. <laughs> The uh, I didn't get permits to get started because I knew it would take me a year to a year and a half to get the permits. <laughs> and so I decided to uh, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. So here's another rule. One of the most important things that I, I did, I don't know whether I thought about it, um, but... but uh, um, it's not what you say in life. It's what the person you're talking to hears. Usually with my workers at uh, Lancaster Oil and they're on, I would say that, tell me what I just said, tell me what I just said. They'd all get mad or start laughing at me because they knew it was coming. The first time I used that was I, the first week I was in business, two things happened. Number one, one of my partners, one of my uh, competitors, who I didn't know existed, called up the DEP and wanted to put me out of business. Well, that was a non-starter. So I hired an engineer to find out some of the things that I needed to know about building and permits. And I said, I'm having a hard time with the DEP right now. I do not want you to go to them. Do you understand that? Yes. All right, tell me what I just told you. He told me. I said, you know, I'm, I'm really serious about this not going to the DEP. Tell me. The third time, he got pissed off at me. Back then, I had, uh, I could have, I was still sleeping in my, uh, in my trailer in the, in, in the shop. And, uh, um, I had a, uh, I had a, an old desk that I bought from the government for 15 bucks, one of these old steel things. You've probably seen them in the movies. <laughs> and uh, I said, all right, we'll go on your way. 
when are you coming back? I guess it was, let's say it was a Monday. He said, I'll be here on Thursday. I said, okay. He came back Thursday and uh, I was still young and I was 48 and I was strong as hell. I mean, I could, I, I was fast and strong because I'd worked. And uh, first thing he said, well, I went up and, and you know, I, I got a, some good material. I checked with the DEP. I said, what the hell did I tell you? I was screaming. I said, what the hell did I tell you? He said, well, I, and I, <laughs> this is the movies. I got up and jumped over the desk and ran after him till he got in his car and <laughs> drove away. Oh, he just can't make this crap up. At any rate, I filled out the proper forms and started going. So this is basically the rest of my story. I, you know, it's sort of the second phase. It's taken us about a half hour to get into it, but there's, there's many things, and, and times have changed, but it's still basically the same, uh, same, same things that go on today that went on uh, in 1988 when I started the company. Uh, you have to know somewhat what you're doing. You can't expect to be a success overnight. That's the that's stuff myths are made of, and that's what sells books sells movies. I mean, most, most of your movie stars, um, uh, who was that guy? Maybe you remember, it was in uh, Shawshank Redemption, that, that really great, uh, I think Morgan I that. Freeman. Oh, yeah, God, I love Morgan. Yeah. He was 66 before he finally got discovered. You know, he always says that, mm -hmm. or said it, I don't know if he's with us. Um, had all kinds of jobs, singing, opera, doing this, doing that. But it, it takes a lot of time. I, uh, for the first uh, 15 years, I bought everything secondhand. And when we ever took a pipe apart to redo it somehow, I made him cut, a, uh, stock everything so he could use it again. Uh, now, of course, they just all put it in 55 gallon drums and get it out the door. They don't want to do it. Yeah. Back then, uh, it was very difficult. I, uh, we bought in loads. Uh, uh, jumping way ahead to right now, there, it's, it's a monster lab we have uh, with all kinds of people and probably a million, two million dollars worth of equipment in for testing. We do, we do a tremendous amount of testing. Back then I had a little hot plate and uh, one test tube and uh, a little tiny evaporator to see if it looked good to be put in. Uh, different times. Uh, people, didn't, uh, people didn't know what they were doing. I, uh, including us, um, I started having a hard time with my partner. Uh, I'm five eight on a good day with one inch heels, and uh, he was six four and probably weighed one seventy five. Uh, come to find out, my attorney, attorney who used to be head of the uh, crime commission, said that uh, Percy was. The only person he could knew, two things he said, the only person he knew could, that he knew would be able to pass a lie detector test. And the other thing was that, that uh, there was two ways to do things. If you wanted to do it the right way, he wasn't interested. He wanted to be a, a crook and figure out how to do it the wrong way. Well, we found out that that's what he did. He filled my 500 million gallon tank instead of taking out and disposing of it properly with dirt. Uh, which took us years to get rid of pumping it out. So in 1994, I decided 
that we had to split up. He didn't want to ruin, uh, run the company because I think he probably felt that uh, it would go into the drain. So we made a deal where I bought him out and we settled on June 16th. That happens to be my birthday. That's why I remember <laughs> that. Uh, I gave him uh, 750000 in cash. It was great. I went down to the local. We had no debt back then either. And uh, we had about probably one or 2000 in long-term debt. And uh, I went to the fellow. I forget what his name. I forget what the bank is at. It's probably his merge. With, I know it's merged with somebody. I said, uh, I need to borrow 750000 to buy Percy out. He said, okay, wait here. So I went out. Let's say it was 10 minutes. I, I know it's five, but I'll say it was 10. He came back with a cashier's check for 750000 That, as you all, well know, you know, be a six-inch platform of uh, legal stuff to, uh, to fill out now. And I started paying Percy 5000 a week for his non-compete for 15 years. That was the other side of the article, which is a good deal. Back then, that was a lot of millions. It is now. Yeah. And uh, he immediately went into business and put me out of business. Well, yeah, that's what everybody says. Mm -hmm. Why did he do that? So the only way I could get rid of it is I put the company into bankruptcy. Well, let me tell you what. Bankruptcy is not what you hear on television. It's hard. You want to spell that in your little book, H-A-R-D. You have to write down every penny if you're going to do it legally. You have to, you have to pay attorneys outrageous uh, money before you go into bankruptcy. It cost me 50000 to go in to, to, to get the attorney before I spent one second of work. It was very difficult working through it. I, um, Judge Trudowski, I'm remembering a lot of names today, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. I guess what I can yeah. remember. The, uh, what I can't remember is sentences. The, uh, Judge Trudowski was a, was a, was a uh, really nice fellow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go into a couple things here. When, when, uh, when you go into a... a, a Bankruptcy court. There's two things for a uh, for uh, types of attorneys that go in. There's there's, and in my case, there was uh, the one because we were coming to that particular day when the, when all the other attorneys came in. They come in for little tiny things like, uh, can he buy a water cooler or little things that take less than less than a minute. There was 30 attorneys there. When my attorney walked in, Judge Rudowski stood up, and he said, Mr. Um, Alan was his first name. I forget his last name. Uh, he said, it's always a pleasure to have you in my court. All the other attorneys went. They looked at me and they said, who the hell are you? You know, <laughs> And uh, it came down right to the last second. I mean, it was very, very close as to whether I was going to buy it or not. I got to uh, buy the company for my then wife, who has passed away here recently. And... Uh, we weren't married at the time, so she could buy the company. She bought it uh, for zero, 50,000 bucks. And yes, I did pay her back. And uh, the uh, uh, afterwards, I found out that 
my attorney had been the uh, the judge's law clerk for four years, and uh, that was a hell of a break. I didn't know that going yeah. into it. Yeah. And uh, but we started going. It was hard. Uh, my wife, who was a really really strong woman, would give me ten people to call on a day back then, and I had to go on out and uh, sell. Now this is another. This is another. Uh, I know how to sell. But selling back then is not like it is today, as you well know. Uh, back then, selling is uh, selling was talking to the people and joking around and everything else and getting your foot in the door. You can't get your foot in the door anymore. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. I don't I don't know how your salesmen do it, but because it can take a year to get a sale and and. I never like paying my salesman commission. I mean, a, a salary because then they don't work. But now you got to pay them a big salary, and um, um, so we we uh, I made most of my sales. I, I I learned a very valuable lesson then, and something that that uh, and I'll tell you, I'm going to jump forward and come back. It's it's uh, about ten years later. After being a, a sales uh, salesperson, hiring so many salespeople and this that and everything else, it was a lot of fun. But when you came to work for us, and I'll tell you how I did things and why I did it. But if you if you were there for a year, you were there forever. Most of my employees were there, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Mm -hmm. um, we would. Um, Oh, here I go. What was I just talking about? We were... Most of your employees oh, were there. You had very little time. You had very little time to get your foot in the door. You basically had... If, you, if you're lucky enough to get in the door, you're, you're, you basically have 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. After 50 seconds, the person at the counter is, is looking when they're going to play tennis today. Who's their date? Yeah. Uh, how do I get rid of this jerk? They're trying to keep their own job. So our company is called Lancaster Oil. I said, well, the only, and all our permits were in Lancaster Oil's name. The only way that we are going to be able to get, um, to grow our business, which I very much wanted to do, was to uh, change the name of our company. Everybody thought I was crazy. People wanted to quit. They were so wild against me. Uh, luckily, I owned 100% of the company. I said, it's my decision. I changed it to Environmental Recovery Corporation. Boom. You know, we, we, we were doing 3 million, you know, then we did 13, and we ended up, we ended up with 35 a year. I mean, it, it went crazy. We branched into all different facets. I'll get into it. But we, we, uh, you have to treat your salesmen right because they are the, they are the force of your company. And, and what you have to remember is that you can't cut their salaries, you can't do this, you can't do that. And just because they, uh, what, what normally happens when you're by yourself, especially if, if you're with a, a partner, is that uh, if, if you're in a partner by yourself in an awful lot of companies, you start out with two guys, probably more than, than anything else in the United States, and that's what—that's probably why you're watching this. 
that that what happens is let's say there's there's me Ricky I'm the salesman and there's Johnny who is the worker and you're you're making uh, some type of steel platforms which are very profitable uh, but it requires eight to ten hours a day usually six days a week so I, I go out and make the sale on January 1st and I spend the rest of my time down in the Bahamas because we're splitting what, what he produces. And guess what? His wife gets upset. And I'll tell you what happens. Oh my God, the partnership breaks up. Why should I do all the work? I did the sale, who's most important? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have had the work. It's uh, then again, it's probably in, in, in paragraph 101 of the last book you just bought. <laughs> but it's very important when you hear somebody that's actually done it. And uh, it's very important. So I started, I started building the company. And, and uh, there's very little property in our township, Anaheim Township, which is very big, very prosperous, in a very, very prosperous county. We are very fortunate to be very close, an hour and a half to Baltimore, hour and a half to Philadelphia, two and a half hours to New York, uh, two and a half to uh, Pittsburgh, great railroads, great highways, Pennsylvania Pike, 83, 81, 283. Um, we're probably within two and a half hours of 100 million people. And this is most important, we're probably in about 50 to 60% of the businesses which are polluters and have been around along their old businesses, steel companies, iron companies, uh, anybody that you can think of. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start changing the business and grow. Now you gotta remember, this is years ago, but you can still do the same thing. I started looking around me and I said, I wanna move. Well, if I moved, it would take a year and a half, two years uh, to get permits. Uh, they sit in their desks for the first year and three quarter, year and one third, and then they might spend a couple of weeks approving your permits. That's the way they keep their. I hope the DPEP is not watching. <laughs> That's how they keep their jobs. Yeah. At any rate, we started building the company. We went into uh, we went into uh, doing our own trucking, and this is another thing. If you're going to have a company where you're going to go on out, deliver, uh, pick up. Uh, just like that truck I first saw you this morning, they got me so gosh darn excited. I wish I was going to be in business tomorrow or I was in business tomorrow. <laughs> I have a five-year non-compete which runs out February 28th. Then I am going into business. <laughs> the, uh, at 81, that's not bad. That's why you keep living once you keep working. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to stay on tune here. The uh, it's it, You, you want to break into... You, oh, what you want to do is you want to have your own trucks and your own people because that's uh, it's very important that they see your name, not your competitors. When you're, then you're if you have a uh, if you're getting six thousand gallons of a liquid from uh, somebody at Johnson and Johnson, they'll they'll go in John John say I can knock out their price and they get they get so you you keep your own truck drivers. You have beautiful uniforms that they change every day. And uh, you keep you keep 
the most spotless trucks you possibly can. Well, I went, I ended up with 15 beautiful tractor trailers. Uh, matter of fact, Peterbilt used to come down. I used to line them up every day with their, our red trucks, and they'd come down and show their customers, this is what your trucks can look like, because mm -hmm. our drivers were just so excited with their trucks and, and so excited with, with, our, with our company. Um, I started buying the little tiny properties around me. I bought a place that did lawnmowers. It was a big building. I tore that down, made more of a parking lot. I bought uh, seven row houses behind me. I wanted to burn them down. That was the cheapest way, so I applied for permits to burn them, but I thought it would be good training for the fire department, but they said it would create too much smoke, so I found some guy to tear them down for the wood. Um, I bought a tow truck driver. I, I had already bought one building, and then I bought a building across the street, and I bought a big laundry across the street. This is all over years. Mm -hmm. I paid twice as, three, four times as much as they had me over a barrel. They know it. I had the last laugh. Uh, we started getting bigger, and uh, we started getting more people. As as you grow, once you hit a million dollars or five hundred thousand, you have to change your your uh, you have to change your, your management, the way it works, probably a million, then five million, then 10 or 15. You just have to keep changing all the way up. Excuse me. You also start losing your friends along the way because they're not keeping up with you and they get jealous. You have to remember, excuse me, and you'll probably find this on page 143 of the book here, <laughs> is that uh, everybody wants, to, wants for you to uh, fail. They do not want to see you succeed. I don't care what they tell you. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. They're jealous. Mm -hmm. They don't realize all the hours you put in, uh, all the meals you missed, birthdays for your kids, uh, they just sickness, whatever. They just, they just, they think it was luck. I and people like your dad, Troy, 24 seven. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking. I mean, I go to bed at midnight, get up three, four, five o'clock, and just start pounding. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it so much. <laughs> um, it's my golf game, uh, or my sailing game. Uh, uh, I did that. I uh, I, f I found that, that uh, I, I worked harder. I went through a bunch of presidents. Uh, one president I spent almost six months interviewing. He worked for uh, John Deere, had 5,000 people under him. And he graduated from Harvard Business School. I was so excited. I, I, I went home to talk to my wife, Ellen, and I said, I'm so excited. He's going to start tomorrow. Well, he started that day, the next day. And I came home at lunch. And she said, my God, you're almost in tears. What's wrong? I said, I know. I, let's say the guy's name's John again. I said, I know a lot more than John does. He always had people underneath him doing all his work. He didn't have the slightest idea how to use a, an iPhone or, <laughs> or anything. You know, he knew nothing. Boom, gone. Um, small companies are fun. All the way along, I would give special, through the help of with my wife, I would, I would, we would give uh, wonderful parties, wonderful things. We hired wonderful people. Uh, this fella, uh, Kermit, uh, mm -hmm. we, we spent so much time. I, I would 
I would think of the machinery to build. I would probably think of five to 15, 20 things a day that we could do differently, but I, I, I came to realize, I'm, I'm going away from this. I, I came to realize that I couldn't tell people any of these things because everybody got upset. They'd, they'd think that I really meant for them to think about this. People want to think about their own job. But you, you have to be really nice to people and think of ways to do things. Uh, I thought of a way we were bringing in 55-gallon uh, drums about this high, this big around. We're, we're, uh, we're about 50 to 100 a day. And uh, we, we ran into a company called Veolia, which is uh, probably the largest in the world as far as water and, and uh, drums and things like that. They wanted to work with us, but they had a hard time uh, uh, storing the drums. I don't know whether uh, Troy figured it out or somebody else, your dad figured it out or somebody else. Maybe I figured it out. I, I'd like to think that I did, but I don't know <laughs> that for a fact. If we leave, the, if we leave a, tra a trailer on their property, all they have to do is fill that trailer, and then I'll come hook it up and drop one off. Mm -hmm. Nobody in our industry did it. There weren't many players, there were only four or five. Nobody did it. This revolutionized us. So we got up to two, three, four hundred drums. Uh, um, here I go digressing. Since I've been sold out, uh, since I sold out in, in uh, 2018, the company's been sold three times. It's just a few months ago, this got sold again. Um, they're now doing a thousand drums a day. I mean, it's nuts. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. When you can only fit 82 drums in a, in a, in a tractor trailer. Um, so the most important thing is keeping your workers happy because it's very difficult to go on out and to, uh, it's very difficult to go on out and, and, and hire a new employee because there's a tremendous amount of work of getting it. Luckily, by being nice and doing some of the things that I'll bring up now, is that, that we did things that nobody else did, and uh, it brought great loyalty. And, and when, I, when I go to the plant now, five years later, people still remember those things. One of the things I did is uh, I had $100 day. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about that. that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd go, and I'd, get, I'd try to get all brand-new $100 bills because nobody, including myself, had seen a $100 bill. I give them five twenties. It's so what? Hundred dollars is a big deal, and it was a lot of money when I had, uh, you know, one hundred ten, fifteen people. It was a lot of money. I do that three, four times a year. My fun part of it was, we'd have uh, other people bringing us in tankers full of water or junk or trash to unload. And I'd walk up to them and I'd say, uh, I'd say, you know, right now I I I, uh, I live in New Mexico. I live a long ways away, so I. I don't know all of our employees. Uh, do you work for us? And they'd say, no, 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 I work for so and so. I say, oh, darn it. And I always had, uh, I always had my, my president beside me, and he'd, he'd sit there and start rolling his head. And I said, geez, I said, I give everybody $100 three or four times a year, and, and I'm sorry I can't do that for you, because he knew I had a stock like this. <laughs> and, He'd go back and tell their heads of their company, and oh, we got some furious phone calls <laughs> off of that. But it was a nice trip. We also had a Christmas party. Did you ever go to one of them? I don't think so. I never worked there full time. It was just like in the summers, part time. 
We spent eighty thousand on a Christmas party. It was a, I'm sure your dad will tell you. We had a big blowout. Yeah. Was uh, it Lucky Dog? Is that where you guys normally had it? No, we 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 went to. Yeah. We went. We started out going to places where, we, where there was five of us, and yeah. then they kept going to uh, like Isaac's or, mm -hmm. or or someplace downtown or whatever. We stopped at uh, the the Quirk and the Quirk factory that went out there, Armstrong's old building where it was monsters. Yeah, Quirk bar is that? Yeah, it? the Quirk and something. Quirk yeah. and Cap. Yeah. And that's when we it was up to like I guess two hundred by the time we got with all the people. We we kept on growing and. Uh, I walked. My job was just to walk around the plant and uh, uh, talk to everybody all day long, crack jokes, ask about their family, uh, make doctor appointments if, if something was bad, uh, pay for their doctor's appointments occasionally, borrowed money if they paid it back. Um, there's so many stories I go into, but I, I don't. I, you know, I want. I just want to give you some of the. Yeah. The important things. I, I, uh, I, I, um, as I got bigger, I had to hire people that were really had, excuse me, big balls and got things done. <laughs> I was sitting in my office, uh, with, with, uh, with the head of our company, uh, and, and I, uh, we needed somebody to do paperwork for the drivers. And I knew I knew that, that that job would would mushroom because of the fellow that I'm going to hire. It was Logan's father. I ran across the street. Actually, I had to look both ways. It was a pretty busy street during mm -hmm. the daytime, and uh, he was going through some hard times. At the, I, I'm not going to say anything at the time. And he said, "Sure, I'd be glad to come to work." Well, he just about came across the street and started working. He revolutionized our business. I mean, the guy is so fantastic. Uh, things like we had to bring in tremendous tractor trailer loads of sawdust every day, three, four, five of them, 40 footers to, to mix with all our water and junk to, to, to make it more solid to take to the landfill. And we started out at uh, like, I think it was probably four or 500. He's going to fact, Logan will fact check me, but <laughs> maybe it was a thousand. But he got it down to like a hundred dollars. I mean, it's incredible. What a difference! And and all kinds of really neat things. Um, we started changing buildings, building business, doing this, doing that, and uh, um, I finally hired uh, uh, a really really neat uh, president. But I told him I, all I wanted him to do was was uh, we we were in a we were in a. a a factory where there's a, a, we have a tremendous work ethic in Lancaster, un, unlike any other place in existence that I know of. Um, people work, and I didn't want to disrupt them by having somebody. I had some miserable presidents who would have closed the company down. So I, I hired Ken Lefevre, who was really great. I told him I don't want you to do anything for a year. Just sit there and look at people, talk to people. If you have any decisions to make. You're on your own. So after a year, I said, uh, start going, and he really went nuts. I said, you know, when I hired you, what did uh, what did people say about you? Say about me? And he started laughing. I said, what's so funny? He says, he said two two things. He said, you know, Rick. He said you were a real oddball, but you were honest. <laughs> 
I like that. <laughs> yeah. Did I ever tell you that one? Yeah, you told oh. me that on the phone. <laughs> I thought it was a great compliment. Yeah. Uh, you have to be honest. That's another rule. That's, I mean, you really got to do this. You got to pay the IRS. An awful lot of people who are in business for themselves say, I'm going to skate this. But then it catches up with you. Like Pennsylvania, our state, you don't pay sales tax, mm -hmm. you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do not want to fool with uh, sales tax. I, and I never saw any of the money coming in or any of the money going out. Uh, I just signed my, my tax forms um, because I didn't want some employee to come and uh, uh, now I guess they could go on Facebook or something. I don't know what you go on these days. I don't do any of them. <laughs> I do Google. The uh, and and they'd say what a rotten guy you are, and all. And actually, you're cheating with the IRS, and you know, somebody always wants has an axe to grind for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, we had a disgruntled employee who stole heating oil from us because he couldn't afford his. He couldn't afford his uh, oil from the winter time. Which I would have given him if he'd if he'd done it because we got a tremendous amount of two oil for nothing. I mean, forty thousand gallons a year is nuts. We just store it. Yeah. And you know how we caught him? You don't. This is great. He had sneakers on and he and he was tracing the oil all the way back to his locker. And then he badmouthed me on the internet. You know, you just yeah. you gotta be so careful with everybody. It's a good lesson though. You have to treat everybody nicely. You have to start getting tremendously good workers in there. I enjoyed having uh, a lot of older people because uh, they didn't change jobs so frequently. And now, unfortunately, I've been reading that, you know, you're lucky if you can keep somebody a year. I just don't understand how you're going to do it. So you have to Number one, you have to do it yourself. And, and number two, you really have to check out what you're going to do before you go into business for yourself and spend money because there's there's your attorneys, there's this, there's that. There's, you might have to get 20 permits. You might have to do this. You might have to do that. Um, the DEP still makes us. When we bring in, we have about 20 tractor trailer loads a day that come in from different companies to drop in. They make us fill out paperwork in a book. And the person who tested it has to sign off. We have all the books from 1988. Jeez. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Every test that goes through. So we do probably three or four tests on those 15 loads. We probably do 50 to 100 tests a day. They have to sign off in each one. Well, obviously, we have to put each one of those also in a computer mm -hmm. because we have people call us up and say that they're selling their company, and six years ago they bought a, a, a load into us, and they, they need proof that it was, it was taken to a, an accredited landfill. Might take a minute and yeah. send them the paperwork. Yeah, Nobody else does that. But that takes work. And um, it takes a lot of things. Well, I lucked out. There was, there was, uh, and I'll sort of finish up with it here, and then I, I, I hope I get some questions. Yeah. The, uh, in, in 
2002 or three, my wife came to me and said, you know, my mom uh, got married in 1972 when her husband died and, and uh, her new husband, Hadley's wife died. They got together and got married. And uh, she said, um, they were going to travel the world, and he was going to retire at 73. He retired when he was 93 with his boots on, died. And she said, I'm not going to go through that. You've got to remember, this is a strong woman. She said, you have to make up your mind. I'll give you a day. She said, we can either move north, south, or west, preferably at more than 1,000 miles away, or we're getting divorced. What are you going to do? I knew that Ellen didn't fool around. So it took me about 10 seconds, and I said, let's move. So we traveled around. We thought we were going to sell our house in a year and a half. The first day, the, cash, the guy bought it for cash. We were on our own in a car and armed our motorcycle for a year and a half, having a wonderful time. We, we built our house out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I was allowed. I was allowed to talk to the company for a couple hours on Tuesdays and Fridays. <laughs> and uh, so I did. And uh, and I'll finish up with the, the, another one of the most, and you're probably going to bring up a lot of stuff that I forgot, that, that, that uh, one of the most important things. As I grew after about the seventh or eighth year, and I was still keeping notes, the, uh, I had a full profit and loss and bank balance of the company on my desk by 2 o'clock. People didn't want to hear from me if it was wrong because I, I believe, and, and from what I understand, there's something like 80 or 90% of all their companies don't know their financial shape mm -hmm. until February or March just before tax season. Uh, it's horrible. You have to know, in my case, you have to know uh, who's trying to put you out of doing businesses. And that's the final thing I forgot, The most, one of the most important. <laughs> you have to be paranoid. I always say seriously paranoid. I was, I was asked to be, teach uh, entrepreneurism uh, in the University of New Mexico, and I said, I can't. And they said, why not? I said, because you're going to have 30 kids in the class. They all want to be entrepreneurs. If you haven't mowed your grass, you know, done this, done that, worked your whole life, you're not an entrepreneur. And I said, here's the problem. I said, I'm going to, you're getting paid 300 bucks for each one of these kids, right? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to ask how many of you are serial uh, uh, paranoid. Four of the people would raise their hands. I dismissed the rest of them. You can't be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I had to work. I had to put food on the table, and that's why I had all these businesses. I couldn't remember something. As I said, you give me a sentence, I will sit here and memorize it for 10 minutes. An hour later, I might be able to remember one word. I do now, and this is what's most important to all of you, you need, you need to figure out what your niche is and hire, hire people like Logan's dad, Troy, who will, who will take you to new heights. And, and Troy... His dad is going into, I talk to him once a month or so, the most remarkable guy in the world. 
he start, he started he bought an old uh an old inn uh uh with the help of his wife who who got all the real estate done on it and opened a bar restaurant i said well how the hell did you know how to do it he said it's interesting it's easy youtube and you can't believe this is the most successful place he's practically the top in everything in, in pennsylvania mm -hmm. and he's He's done so well, but this is what you got to do with your company. Hire other people. Do not, do not, do not get a, par a partner. It'll kill you. Let's go back to the very beginning. Oh what goodness. made you want to get into business by yourself? And then throughout all the failures, throughout the 29 businesses, why do you keep going? Uh, I didn't necessarily, in the beginning, I didn't want to go myself. I learned the hard way that uh, the airport uh, taught me, and you—you uh, uh, you have to be. If you don't believe in yourself, how can others believe in you? And you need to—you need to go on out. And uh, uh, it takes years. It's not—it's not like what you see on TV, where where, where Johnny thinks of something and made five million bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's—it's it's just as easy to go. I learned that from Trump. Trump, Trump, way back when uh, they had that uh, the bust of uh, the tech guys out there in, in uh, San Francisco. What do you what do they call that? Do you remember the town or the no, bust? No, the bust. Uh, you know when, when everything went crash, and um, they were all they were all billionaires. And, and he got online and he got on his interview and he said, "The most important thing I can tell you is that." About 98% of them are going to go broke. The best advice I can give them is to take a million dollars right now and put a safety box and forget about it. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. I put a lot of money away like that. And throughout your 29 businesses and all the failures, why did you keep going? Like, What mindset did you have? I'm missing a gene. Uh, it was a lot easier to get in business back then. It was, it was, no, it was, it was, not, it was a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm very hands-on. I'm not afraid to get dirty. I know how to sell. Uh, I used to sell mobile home siding. I didn't tell you that. I, I have a snapshot of me on uh, WGAL and there when I did a little video. I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it and I also enjoyed the returns, the money. I mean, the money's nuts. I, uh, my accountant told me that uh, over my 30 years, I had a 31% uh, return on investment. I mean, that's higher than, than uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the biggest Buffett, Warren Buffett. The, 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 another one of my tricks is to stay small and not tell anybody what you're doing. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Uh, nobody needs, I don't know hardly anybody in town. Almost everybody knows me. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying that Oh yeah, you know I I kept because we were a big deal in town. We hired a lot of people, and uh, life. So you know, everybody at work would say, "Rick, will you put your seatbelt on?" I get so freaking excited. I mean, I I I'm sure you're the same way, and I, your dad is. I mean, it, it's I, it's a natural thing for 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 people who are missing that gene or who really want to get going is to uh, is to work. Uh, and have fun because life is short. Here we go.
Life is short, and it's better to have money at the end of your life than the beginning. That's Ricky. <laughs> so what made you want to sell ERC? It was very easy. I had 100%, as do most people, mm -hmm. 100% of my assets locked up, locked up in the company. We were in a dangerous business. Uh, what I did not tell you was that we had also started a very large company down in, in Baltimore, and they were bringing oil, water, all kinds yeah. of stuff. We were in a dangerous business. Uh, for example, I'll tell you one thing. When I was out west one day, and, and this is why I did it. When we were out west one day, uh, I called up on a Tuesday. I called up my president of the company, and I asked him what he was doing, and, and he told me, told me, and he said, oh, yeah, we're cutting one of the pipes, the three-inch pipes, uh, underground uh, over over by uh, our pit building. And you remember when I bought the company, they took an oil and gas, right? So I screamed at him. I said, stop, do not say another word, just run out the door. We were about 50 yards from where they were cutting. I said, get out there, start, just start screaming, stop, 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 it's gonna save lives, stop. Goodbye. He ran out the door, told everybody to stop. He came back breathless. He said, I said, hopefully they stopped. I said, yeah. He said, why did you want me to stop? Why do you think? Take a guess. Was it going to explode? Yeah. Is that why you were worried? It was a three-inch line. Yeah. They were cutting with a, uh, a grinder, which makes sparks, right? Yeah. The line was filled with gasoline. They didn't turn it off? Didn't clean it out? No. I didn't know it. I never knew it was there. How the hell you know? You know, Johnny put the line in in 1908. Yeah. 1908. How the hell do I know? Yeah. It, you know, the metal and bodies would still be coming down. Mm -hmm. So you put a, you, you got a brass cutting disc and cut it with a brass. And, and brass does not make sparks. Huh. Yeah. But that's what, that's what 30 years does. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to be sitting there with all of my buildings and and uh, all of a sudden have an explosion and I lose everything. I mean, that happened to an acquaintance of mine that had the same type of company in, in uh, Baltimore here a couple, last year. He worked 30 years. I helped him start out. Um, bought a load of wa water in it. It had some gasoline in it. The gasoline caught on fire. They went to put it out. The, the guy stumbled, fell in the fire, burned to death, burnt down his buildings. Jeez. He might go to jail. The, the business was out in less than a minute, was out of business, 30 years, big business, mm -hmm. down the drain. I couldn't take that risk, not at my age. Yeah. So I, I signed that uh, five-year agreement, and uh, should have been three years in hindsight, but I took <laughs> five because they gave me a lot of money. In hindsight, nothing happened. You know, hindsight's 2020. I wish I didn't sell it because I, I would I would have been making a lot of money every year. Yeah. I did make a lot of money every year. This is a pretty personal question. Um, I've been married this much four times. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so this will, that's related to that. Uh, two of them, two of them got rid of me because I ran out of money. And, and the other one who I, uh, we were next door neighbors in, uh, when we were born, uh, we got married and 30 years later, happily ever after. Yeah. And then she, she passed away five years ago. How do you get over that? Very hard. I, I still uh, call my present wife. I don't call her anymore, but I think before I call her name, it would, that's another reason why I sold the company because I sort of turned into an alcoholic for a while and yeah. everybody got tired of seeing me drunk. And uh, 
Yeah, it was real hard. I, uh, having known her for 70 years, we, I mean, I, if I started telling, I could tell you stories from t tomorrow and you'd be on the floor crying. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, geez, we had some wonderful times. Uh, but my new wife just, just is, uh, spectacular and we have a wonderful time and I'm thankful. You know, it's hard to find somebody at my age. Mm -hmm. Uh, but life is for the living. This was a question that my dad actually told me to ask you. He said, if you could go back in life, who would you choose as a role model or a teacher? And what lessons would you learn from them? I didn't have a role model uh, in growing up because uh, I thought I was the same as everybody. I never realized that I was different. Now, now, I, would have, now I would have been diagnosed as... as uh, um, dyslexic and a bunch of other junk. You know, I see things back completely backwards, and that uh, uh, I have no ability to learn anything. I would have gone to a special school, and and, and that would have done. Uh, as it turned out, they just said I was very lazy, and a, a lot of times, if I started a project, I'd spend the first, if let's say it's going to take an hour, I'd spend a half hour figuring out how to do it correctly. I still do it to, today. You know. Mm -hmm. I, I wash the dishes every day. We, we, my wife's a really good cook. I do a tremendous amount of dishes. I don't. We, we've never used a dishwasher. I never. <laughs> and uh, I spend I spend the first five minutes looking at all the dishes, figuring out how I'm going to put them in the trays to get them out. <laughs> you know, and she looks at me and just rolls her eyes. But but uh, when I did get into, I, I applied to five colleges, and the only one I got into was at Franklin and Marshall. And uh, the dean even said to my mom, who was alive at the time, said. Uh, you're going to flunk out after the first year, first year. And I thought he was crazy. And I was out pretty much the first semester. Um, high school and college is pretty much just uh, telling people what, telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm saying the same thing back to them, regurgitating. I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad had a photographic memory and so did my mom. My dad never forgot anything. And my mom lasted about a month. Uh, I guess I got the other end of the stick. <laughs> I wish I could remember people because my, my hardest thing is that most people think that you're intelligent if you can remember their name and their face. Mm -hmm. They dismiss you if you're not. So I, I have a very hard time with people because people either think I'm rude or, or not nice or this or that. But I've, I've, I've overcome it pretty much. And... Uh, I don't really look. I, sometimes I wished, but but then my wife looks at me and says, "You have more money and, and a nicer house and do more than they do. Yeah. Why the hell emulate them? You've done very well in life. Get over." <laughs> and I think I have. Uh, but when I'm when I'm trying to tell these other people are going to listen to this, it takes time. You can't do it all at once. Mm -hmm. You might luck out. Uh, you know, there's always that that. That pyramid of, of, of people that make it to the NFL, you know, it starts out like this with 100,000 kids. And, and by the time it gets to the the draft, there's only, out of the 100 that start, there's probably only 30 or 40 that get picked. I mean, it's it's the same way in business. How many of your friends that you grew up are, are, are wackily successful? Are there any? Nope. There you go. Not that I know of. Yeah. And I'm so very young. I, I, think, hope we, I hope you have another question. This I think fun. that's the majority. Um, what's your biggest advice for me? Very early entrepreneur. I've been in video, video production. Do you production. think you are an entrepreneur? Yeah. 
Um, I live, eat, and breathe working. And it's really only in the past like two months, three months that I went from a small opportunity where I was focused on making videos just for action sports. So now I'm like, over the next 10, 20 years, this could be a multi-million dollar company. So now I'm transitioning to helping businesses with marketing. That's where you know this came from. That's why we got the studio. We're bringing on some part-time help where needed, stuff like that, where I'm now focused on like building something actually of scale where the past four years it's just been kind of smaller, just me. Well, you're learning. Yeah. You want to hire pipe. You want to hire people that are not going to steal your idea, because they know it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be good with that. Also, uh, you have to make sure that that if you are hiring people and you're not having them on your payroll, you have to make sure that they have the proper paperwork that they're in business for themselves, and you have to send them the what is the DD two fourteen or whatever it is that, that at the end of every year. Yeah. These things can come back and kill you. Yeah. Think outside the box. It's probably 10 feet long. That's so important. That's what made me. What else can we do? Rather than oil, that was that was very little of our business. Is very little now. Mm-hmm. I think success is made by staying with what you know best. In other words, I would never, right now, I'm going to go into basically the same business. I'm, I'm going to be doing something with water that, that involves what I was doing. You want to stay with you want to stay with what you know best. Do not believe your own press reports that you're a big deal. You you, you can't get a swelled head. You you need, in my opinion, you need to go on out and things that are relative to your business. Don't just because you think that you see better ways to make this table, i.e., you can see the dirt. How do I get away with that in between mm-hmm. there? You know. Forget about that crap. What you want to do, if you've decided this business, sit down and, and, and do that. And what I've told so many friends, and I, I know of a couple of them that have changed their lives, what I say is you, you get a book, and uh, a booklet, a bigger one than that, and you spend, you spend anywhere from 15 minutes to a half hour a week thinking how, what went on this week, what you can do next week, next year, and way out. And then at the end of that 15 minutes or a half hour, an hour, if you want to spend that time, give yourself a drink or beer, whatever you do, go have a party, forget about it. But I'll tell you, after after six months to a year, it's going to t- change how you think because you, 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 you're, really, you're really focusing on doing things that are, that are enabling you to get rid of Johnny and, and get somebody that's a little bit better. You always want to get people that know a little bit more. And you can't feel badly. One of my businesses, the Mannheim Pattern Works, I held six guys six months because I thought I'd be able to make it. And when I finally let them go after six months and I went broke, I did go broke. I went bankrupt. I didn't tell you that. For $2,500. Can you believe that? I swear to God. Jeez. Big Jesus. (laughs) That was 50 years ago, 60 years but that's that that's that's a big deal. Always, they screamed and yelled at me and called me rotten, so and so and so and so. And but I came six months there sitting there playing cards. Nobody cares about them. At the end of of a week, when you're hiring them, you have paid them X amount, and they have given you an X amount. Do not feel guilty about getting rid of anybody. 
luckily I was fortunate enough everybody wanted to keep on working there. You know, that's pretty much it. Sounds like you're doing exactly the right thing. Cool. Don't put people on your payroll where you're going to have a constant benefits going out the door and you have to sign all kinds of things with attorneys and bookkeepers and all this crap. They are, they are, they are sending you a bill before you're getting paid by the people. Mm -hmm. You also got to be paid. And I don't know how you get paid, but you want to get paid. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. In life, there's two main things that most people want. There's the science of achievement and there's the art of fulfillment. You've, from what I've heard, you've been amazing at the science of achievement of getting, you know, building a business, getting financial abundance in life, being able to buy pretty much whatever you want. What we really haven't talked about is the art of fulfillment, like just being happy and joyful and like loving life regardless of the external things, you know. No, I'm not happy. No? No. I, I am, uh, I am, I am. Uh, most of my things throughout life have been the chase. Mm -hmm. When I get it, uh, my last wife, and I, I'm teaching my, my, my now wife this, that I go about ruining things. And I, I, uh, uh, I never feel fulfilled. That's why I want to get to work again. That's how I, I think I keep alive. Most, most of my acquaintances and friends who have retired to go play golf, is they don't live long. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still getting up three, four, five. I was up at five, four this morning thinking about what I was going to say to you. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, life, life's what you make it. You have to figure out, well, there's you and me. You're, you're, you're the same way I am in, in that you want you to go, go, go and build, build, build. Mm -hmm. If that's your golf game, that's great. Do you feel any more fulfilled? No, yeah. not, not in golf. No, no, I mean in what you're doing. <laughs> uh, so... What I believe and the best balance that I found for it, one being like super hungry in business and like always wanting to keep achieving more and growing more and get better and better. But he also balances that with just being grateful. So like on a daily basis, he balances being grateful and wanting to achieve more. So he can have those two things of the science of achievement, achieving things and fulfillment at the same time. There's a certain amount of, of giving back. I, I help uh I'm not going to get into it. I, yeah. I, I help a fair amount of people with a lot of money. One thing I did, I gave each one of my people that ran a division with, with actual people working for them. I gave, there was three of them. Your father didn't happen to be one of those people, darn it. Um, and, and they, when I sold the company, they each got quite a bit of money. Um, um, I always told people if they could come up with an idea, nobody ever did in 30 years of a better way to, to run the company or start their own company, I'd support them. We'd go in business, I'd be their partner. No, nobody ever came to me. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I really, I, I, like to, I like to help people if they have an idea. Yeah. It's like the day when I jumped in here, I was gonna start screaming. I, <laughs> I just, that guy with that, that garbage, that can. Oh my God, I had a thousand of those. Yeah. I sold those and, and when I sold them uh, uh, right after uh, 2019, I sold that company uh, to Goods Disposal. You know Goods here in town? I've heard of them, yeah. And each one of my my cans, my thousand cans was valued at $2,500 when I sold them. And now they cost 8000 to buy a new can. Jeez. Yeah, I look at those things and I get a hammer out and I hit myself <laughs> in the hammer. You know, how much I left on the table. 
but that's life. Mm -hmm. uh, we all make mistakes, and uh, uh, you just have to. I was missing that gene. You just have to get up, and, and I, I don't have that energy to get up and get off like, like I used to. Uh, uh, I don't suffer fools gladly. I, I enjoy people like your dad who have done something, and I've, I've. Most of us, as you get older, you have few and fewer and friends. Yeah. Everybody pulls in. Um, people are getting sick. Da -da 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 -da. But uh, United States is still far better than uh, CNN, CNBC, and the rest of them think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, watch Fox Business. That's that's or Fox and Friends. Oh, boy, that's, they're so positive. I like thinking positive. Yeah. But, boy, from what you just said, that sounds exciting. Uh, all kinds of people. You, you, you'll find out how it works. And, and now, you know, you might hire, fire, hire somebody from Florida that uh, can, can do something. Mm -hmm. uh, don't have him doing the same thing down there because you're, it's too far away. It's the most difficult thing in the world to start another, the same business in another, like Baltimore. I lost my ass for years on that. It's 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 very very difficult. Uh, you want to you want to you want him doing work for you remotely, giving you ideas. Another thing is I've I've found a great deal of knowledge that you can get so cheaply, that is from people that have retired, that have worked for a big, uh, a, a monster company, somebody huge. And they, they have great ideas, and they're sitting down there in Florida. And we did that uh, uh, at ERC. You know, you, you fly them up for one weekend a month, pay them two dollars $3,000. It's nickel-dime compared to what they can teach you. Yeah. How to get into a landfill. That was a big one for us. And, and uh, you know, we hired somebody from, I don't know, whatever the biggest company in the world is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy that people with all this knowledge, you want to use them. And nobody's ever called me. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I did. You did. <laughs> you probably think I'm a nut. Uh, but yeah, life's fun. Life will work out. But you just got to, you, you can't think about speedboats and going fishing and doing this and doing that. You have to think about work mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. You know, your dad takes a lot of t uh, a lot of time now that he's gotten going, but he only goes for a day at a time. They take a trip and go for a day at a time, mm -hmm. have a great time, come back, and I guarantee you he's thinking about, he tells you he isn't, but he's thinking about work the whole time he's down there. For sure. Probably writing stuff on a piece of paper. Right. And that is the end of this podcast. It was definitely a long one, but there's so much knowledge. I hope this really got you amped and gave you a different perspective. Um, I know that the two hours that we were filming this, I was sitting there just in awe by how much, you know, how much life, how much perspective uh, Rick had, has. And yeah, I really appreciate you watching this far. Uh, if you really enjoyed this, if you got some value out of this, take some time to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And if you're listening to this as an audio version, please rate us five stars. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next week.